Father, thank you for the word this morning. Spirit of truth, we welcome you. And where truth is, where the spirit of truth is, there's liberty. Because Jesus said that we can know the truth and the truth would make us free. Lord, thank you, Father, for inviting us into your reality that we don't have to live uh, based on all the realities that the world offers. But Lord, we can, we can live and participate with you and your reality. We love you. Teach us, grow us, mature us in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right, this week we're going to eat the word together. 3 John chapter 1, verse 4. And you can share your thoughts with us, your love letter, staff at gracechurch.community. We'd love to hear from you. We get some great stuff, great inside, insight. We've been talking about the centrality of Jesus for over a couple of years, knowing his person, knowing his mission, and now we're ter- currently talking about knowing his teachings. What did Jesus teach? Well, he taught and demonstrated truth. God is our Father. Father's kingdom is accessible now. He taught regeneration. You must be born again. Talked about uh, and taught obedience from the heart. And then he also, as uh, you guys have seen the sign by the entryways out there on our property, he came teaching and introducing uh, the person of the Holy Spirit. And so here's what we've covered so far in getting to know the person of the Holy Spirit, uh, the anointing, the spirit of holiness, the spirit of adoption, and the spirit of truth. These are some of his governing functions, if you will, some of his titles in Scripture that reveal who he is. So we're, we're right now on the spirit of truth, and I don't want to get too far without giving you this. Uh, Don Wheeler and I, we get together each week and talk about just uh, what's the Lord land, you know, on our heart in regard to the message, what happened on Sunday, what, you know, where we headed from there. This is such a tremendous statement. This is what he said to me. And uh, Don will actually be sharing here in a couple of Sundays. And that'll be a great blessing to you. Uh, truth is the reality that God lives in. And he invites us into that same reality via the spirit of truth. And I wanted you to have that up front because I think it'll really frame up what the Holy Spirit wants to say this morning. Truth is the reality that God lives in, and He invites us into that reality via the Spirit of truth. How many of you know in our culture, in our world today, you're invited to believe uh, all kinds of different realities? So what is that? What's the Antichrist spirit? Because Christ Himself said He is the truth. And we get invited into the real reality. That's the Greek word, uh, aletheia, is how you pronounce it. Aletheia is the Greek word for truth in the New Testament. And it's the real reality. It literally means sincerity. How about this? Not fake. And you can find this in Strong's or Bible Hub. Just look up the word truth in the Greek New Testament. Actual, not an illusion. Now think about that in the world we're living in. We get invited every day to dance with people's illusions. And then we're called the strange one. Because we don't concur with their reality, which is complete falsity. It's not real. It's not true. And isn't it interesting that one of the knocks on the church from the world's perspective for years has been, you know, don't be hypocrites, right? You say one thing, you say you believe this, but then you act a different way, like you really don't believe it. You know, the world invites us to hypocrisy. 
when they ask us to believe that something is real, something is true, that somebody is saying about themselves or some idea that's not true. So if you're in that conversation, simply appeal to them and say, listen, one of the knocks the world has had against the church and Christians is that we shouldn't be hypocrites. You're inviting me to hypocrisy if you're asking me to believe a reality that in the core of my being I know is not true. And I have no other recourse than to align with truth. I don't have a choice. As a mature son of God, I don't have a choice to live and appease your reality. I don't. The only reality I'm aligned with is God's truth. And we don't, we're not mean about it. But honest to goodness, guys, truth is our weapon in what's going on in our culture. And human beings, if they want to live free lives, they need to align with truth. They don't, you don't create your own realities and call it truth. Truth was here before we got here. Truth will be here after we're gone. If you want to live a free life as a human being, align with truth. Amen. So John 16, let's go back there. Verse 12. Jesus said, I have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, of what is the real reality, God, uh, God's reality, the spirit of it, that's why Jesus was such a great minister. He's so powerful. He's so, you know, he's Christ. He is who he is. He's the anointed one. He's the anointing walking around. Um, because he didn't just blast truth on people. He ministered truth by the spirit of truth. That's why we see people might take the Bible and hurt a bunch of people with it. Condemn them all to hell, whatever it may be. Shame them, guilt them, whatever it may be. No, you need to minister truth by the Spirit of truth. Well, what's that Spirit look like? Looks like Jesus. (laughs) The same Spirit that raised Him from the dead is in you wanting to administer truth. So I have many things to say, but you can't bear them now. But when the Spirit of truth comes, then you can know some things. Come on, somebody. You, You cannot know God and you cannot know truth apart from the Spirit of truth. Bible reading does not guarantee you revelation. Are you listening to me? You just reading the Bible doesn't guarantee you truth. If it's going to be revelation, anybody ever heard somebody say, man, I got a great revelation today. Anybody ever heard that? By definition, if there's a revelation, there must be a revealer. And what you saw and what you got was revealed to you by the spirit of truth. That's why so many people who just sit in Scripture and don't engage the author end up totally misinterpreting it and misrepresenting Christ. You cannot know God apart from the Spirit of truth. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 through 14. No one knows the things of God but the Spirit of God. You want to know God? Get to know His Spirit. Let Him reveal truth to you. We do not conjure ideas by reading the Bible. We don't use human reasoning and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to discern what the Bible is saying. You want to know what the Bible says? Ask the author. There must be a revealer of truth for you to have a revelation. Participate with Him. And, and I can say this because I've been there. I've done it. I, I grew up thinking, well, I need to read the Bible now. It's Bible time. I need it. it wasn't Jesus time. It wasn't Spirit of Truth teach me something time. It was Steve and the Bible time. How many of you know that's dangerous? 
Here I am, like 16 years old, having Bible time, not inviting the author to explain it to me. So when the Spirit of truth comes, what's He going to do? He's going to guide you into all truth. For He'll not speak of His own authority. Whatever He hears, He'll speak, and He'll tell you things to come. There you go. Truth doesn't come through just reading the Bible. It comes from the revealer who reveals it to you while you're reading the Bible. I'm not saying don't read the Bible. I'm saying if you want anything out of it, invite the Holy Spirit to teach it to you. Third John chapter 1, verse 3, For I rejoiced greatly when brethren came and testified of, guess what? The truth. That's where. If truth is God's reality as He possesses it, then the reality of God is inside of you. And here's my question. Do people see the reality of God's existence when they look at your life? Amen. That's our heart's desire, right? Do do they see the reality of God when they look at your life? You know, you're this living epistle. So when they're reading your story, is there some evidence of the reality of God? That's what I like about Ron Bridges. Because <laughs> Ron does not try to be the reality of God. He just is. And, you know, it's great. I love how when he talks to the men and somebody will say, well, yeah, but my wife, she's doing this and that. And, you know, it's really not right. And he says, uh, we're not talking about her. We're talking about you. What are you doing to be the expression of Christ to your wife? Because you, you can give your laundry list to somebody else for you to justify how you're behaving. <laughs> yeah, well, there's more on that. <laughs> more on that to come today. So the truth is in you. The reality of God is, is in you. And truth will assault. The spirit of truth will assault when we try to justify our flesh or build a case on why we're being ugly to somebody who was ugly to us first. We're leaving behind all that baby stuff. It's what babies do. In the toddler room, remember Johnny and, and Mike? They had that big fight. And we asked Johnny, Johnny, why did, you, why did you hit Mike in the arm? And he said, because he hit me first. That's just baby behavior. So our source is not how other people are treating us. We don't need other people to act a certain way so we can treat them well. My goodness. Christ is our source for how we treat people. And if you have real friends, they'll love you too much to let you sit there and justify your ugliness. And be like, I totally get it, man. You have a right to be, you you got a right to be deceived. (laughs) Yeah, get some new friends. So the truth is in you. Everybody say, the truth is in me. The the reality of God is in me. I am a walking, talking reality. God exists. Verse 4. Oh, sorry, verse 3, just as you walk in the truth. So the rejoicing because we walk in truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in what? The reality as God possesses it. That's why we like the true you, right, Roger? The true you book is who you are in Christ from God's viewpoint. Not your feelings, not what your mother-in-law said, not what your boss said, not what your coach said, but what God says about you. That's the real reality. 
And Nikki was touching on it when she said, just being reminded that I am who God says I am. Well, I love that. 1 Corinthians 15.10, Paul said, I am who I am by the grace of God. Love it. So as we walk with the spirit of truth and we yield fully to him, guess what? He matures us as sons. We grow up. We quit living by what everybody else is doing and we live by Christ. Come on. Amen. And I love the spirit of truth because he fights and counteracts all enemies of truth. All false realities. Faulty belief systems. Strongholds. Lies. Deceptions. And he'll take you on the process of truth. It is a process. He'll take you on this process with him that will reveal, unveil, if you will, the Christ that's in you. Remember the soils last week? And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But the, the, the clutter in your heart is what blocks the Christ that's in you. Christ is in you. This is the hope of glory. This is the hope of God being revealed in the earth. God being seen. The reality of God being evidenced. That's the, the real gospel. Christ in you. Uh, even though he's in there, he can be thwarted. He can be blocked, if you will, by a cluttered heart. You got cares and worries, offenses. Man, he's gone to town on offense the last few weeks. So what's his goal? He's going to unveil the Christ that's in you. And the spirit of truth is working hand in hand with the gardener. Who's the gardener? Anybody remember? The father is the gardener. And so what's he doing? He's ensuring healthy soil, a good heart, a good mind, set on Christ, not blocking his flow, not blocking the love of Christ. And we actually talked about that a lot last week as far as the Lord gardening our heart. Here's John 15 again. Jesus said, I'm the true vine. My father is the gardener. My father is the gardener. He's going to tend to your heart, but he won't override your free will. So if you lock, lock it all away and you say, I'm keeping this grudge, then you're going to keep it. But if you'll say, Father, would you tend to the grudge in my heart? He'll do it. Verse two, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he'll even prune that so it'll be more fruitful. How about that? Jaden, you're walking in love. It's looking good. Everything's going well. Let me just show you this and we'll just trim a little bit more and then your love will be even more full. Verse 8, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves, proving you're my disciples. We prove it by a well-tended heart. We've got this well-tended garden. What's it tended with? Truth. The gardener's been in there. And, and the real reality of God is being worked in your heart. Not all these false realities. As Dwayne Sheriff said in his book, his most recent book on offense, no individual or group can cause you to be fruitless in Christ. Nobody has the power to make you not bear fruit. Now think of how many excuses we've had over the years. Why don't, why don't you look like Jesus? Why don't you look like Christ? How come you're not expressing love today? Well, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. The blame game, all the way back to the garden. I won't tell my joke again. <laughs> now, nobody else can cause you to be fruitless, but you can. You can cause yourself to not bear fruit in Christ by having an overcrowded heart. So we live in this crazy, stressed-out world, right? There's a lot of things going on, a lot of information, a lot of pressure. We've got to be able to guard each other's heart. So my M28 group that meets every Tuesday night, I love these men. We've been going for over a year and a half every Tuesday night. 
came up with this at our dinner table. How do we guard each other's hearts? Look at this. Say what God says about each other. You want to be a good friend to, to Vance? You want to be a good sister to Sylvia? Then say about them what God says about them. What is that? Number one, speak the truth. That's the real reality. Number two, know each other by the Spirit, not by the flesh. That's 2 Corinthians 5, 16. From now on, we know no man after the flesh. We don't know anybody by how they're behaving, they're performing, all that stuff. Okay? We know them how Christ knows them by the Spirit. So we know truth. We speak truth. We know truth. Number three, hold and live the standard of Christ in front of each other. This is one of our favorites. Let's live the standard in front of each other. And by the way, this word guard each other's heart, if you look up the word guard from Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart, it doesn't mean put up a wall and justify not loving somebody. Guard means tend to like a vineyard. So let's just call it how do we garden each other's hearts. Hold and live the standard in front of each other. Let's live the truth. Number four, and then fight for each other's freedom if someone's believed a lie. Because if it's true that knowing the truth sets a man free, and it is, Jesus said it, then believing a lie sets a man in bondage. So we challenge one another. When, when garbage is coming out of here, well, I'm no good. Well, I, you know, who told you that? That's a lie. Okay, so we're going to speak the truth, know the truth, live the truth, and fight for truth. And I love how the spirit of truth is lasering in on the little foxes that spoil the vine. I, I thought, you know, maybe spirit of truth, we go just revisit all the true you and I get to tell you all the great stuff we love. You're loved. You're accepted. You're righteous. You're forgiven. It's all true, right? But the spirit of truth also not only reminds you of your identity in Christ, he contradicts every lie that you believe and you try to house in your heart. <laughs> I love that. Basically, when he's tending your heart, he's going after every reality that's in your heart that is not God's reality. That is truth. Oh, help us, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord. The gardener is removing offense. He's removing resentment. He's removing betrayal. You know, offense is the power to just betray somebody. And then not to mention betray Christ. Christ is trying to express his love to somebody. You're like, uh, no, you're not going to love that person through me. Which brings me to the other thing he's, he's gardening out of our heart. And that's called self-lording. When you say you cannot love that person through me, you cannot demonstrate how forgiving you are to that person through me, you are saying, you are not Lord Jesus, I am. And listen, the devil will help you, man. He'll help you build a case. You'll have a big laundry list of reasons why you're right. Well, I don't know about you. I don't want to be right. I want to be righteous. <laughs> and we'd have a whole lot less arguments if the goal of both parties was, let's be righteous, not right. So, and we hear it all. I mean, we've all been there. But you don't understand, Steve, what they did. You don't understand how I feel. I get it. Remember the, the uh, parable of the sower from last week? The wayside soil trampled on. Nobody's heart is made to just be trampled on. I, I get it. But man, don't let it make your heart hard. Because now you're locking the Lord out of it. You're blocking His expression. 
Christ is your healer. The Holy Spirit is your comforter. The same Spirit that forgave, just like Roger mentioned when he was praying about their spitting on Jesus, ripped his beard off his face. And he says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's unilateral forgiveness, people. He's forgiving here because he's forgiving on behalf of his Father. If we'll learn to forgive and love others on our Father's behalf, not our personal selves, it'll, it'll empower you to do it. But Because the flesh wants to put conditions on all that. But forgiveness doesn't come from somebody's apology. The power to forgive comes from Christ in you. I asked somebody this last week, do you think Christ is in there to spectate and just see how you do? And I said, pardon my French, but I'm going to be honest. I said, you suck at being a Christian. Christ is awesome at it. So he's in you. How about we let him be Christ in and through you instead of you trying to do whatever it is you're doing? Well, my counseling appointment's way way down. (laughs) Don't don't need to talk to Steve. (laughs) Listen to this. Don and I were talking about this this week and listen to what he said. He said, Steve, we try to often find justice for our feelings instead of finding God's reality and walking in Him. Somebody wrongs us, we try to find justice for how we feel. So I'm gonna, let me flirt a little bit with resentment. Let me flirt and, and house a little bit of ugliness here because they deserve it by God. Now I said this last week. The flesh wants justice. And if you want justice on somebody for what they did to you, that's fine. You just tell God He can have justice on you. That's the deal. Yeah, I didn't think anybody would sign up for that. But the beauty of Christ is He leads you by supply. He's not demanding you forgive. He's supplying it to you. I have forgiven you. Receive it. And as as freely as you receive it, share it. Didn't ask you to earn it, but I will ask you to share it. Not asking you to deserve my love, but I am asking you to share it. Isn't that what happens with branches? We receive from the vine all the love, grace, friendship, and forgiveness. And then all of a sudden that fruit is showing up on our branches. Wow. Now here's another good one. If you're going to be Lord of your own life via your own reasoning and justifications, you're not going to walk in truth. (laughs) Just ponder it. If you're going to be Lord of your own life via your own reasoning, like my own rationale says, I can be this way. And I've got, I've got reasons for it. Justification. You're not walking in truth. Truth is the real reality, the reality as God sees it. The sovereignty God gave you was in hope you would choose Him as your Lord and as your reality, not choose yourself. You are a little sovereign, so you have the power to choose. You're made in God's image. You can self-govern, but it's a bad idea. So when He gave you sovereignty, it was in hope that you would abdicate lordship to Him. Does that make sense? But the enemy says, oh no, let's assert ourselves. Who is that? That's the same guy that got thrown out of heaven. 
for doing what? Asserting himself. <laughs> the very first book I ever wrote was called uh, Reformations in Prayer. And one of the reformations the Lord gave me was, he said, Steve, prayer is self-surrender. It is not self-assertion. And boy, I was convicted, cut to the quick. Because so many times what I'm praying about is just stuff I thought I needed or I wanted. Or And he said, Steve, I know far more than you what you have need of. Prayer is self-surrender. It's me aligning with God's reality. Truth. It's the exchange, right, Annie? Prayer is this exchange. I'm, I'm going to give him what my... Human reality is I'm going to trade it for His. So it's not self-assertion. It's self-surrender. It's me aligning. But I tell you that right there because I love you. You're not going to be walking in truth if you're just justifying and hanging on to your own reasoning and rationale to not bear the fruit of the Spirit. If you want to live free, knowing and loving truth is your only option. Aligning with with reality as God possesses it is your only hope for freedom. Where do you get it? Well, I get it from John 8, 32. If you know the truth, the truth will make you free. Love of the truth is love for reality as God has it and views it. Truth is the reality that God lives in. So let's value His perspective. And that's what I mean by Life is hard. Life is challenging. Stuff. Ha- I mean, there's a lot of little sovereigns all over the planet. Okay, so they do stuff, crazy stuff. They do stuff that hurts you. I mean, we've done stuff that hurts other people, right? I mean, this goes on. So you need good, good Christ-centered friends around you that will say, I understand that perspective. I do, but let's get God's take on it. Because our tendency is we'll, we're going to search to justify our feelings and what we need to be searching for is what's God's view of this situation. Because right now my flesh, I hate Bill. But is that God's reality of Bill? Where's freedom? When I align with God's reality of Bill. It all comes down to lordship. And for too long the church in the West has not preached lordship. We have, let, we have coddled people in their feelings, their emotions, their outright disobedience. We've just coddled them. Instead of saying, let's align with what is God's perspective of this situation because that's where you're going to find freedom and that's the only place you're going to find freedom is aligning with how He views it. The Spirit of Truth transforms us to be a walking, talking evidence of God's reality. Okay, so we value Him. This sounds like the transformation tool, right? We value His perspective, and then we're so moved by it and know that our freedom is there, we reprioritize to His perspective, and then we own it, and it owns us. And all of a sudden, we're living a transformed life. And people are like, Stacy, how did you overcome that? How did you overcome what happened to you at, at the workplace? How do you have joy even though there's so many sad people around you? How do you? She's transformed by what? Truth. 
She possesses reality as God has it. She has God's view of the workplace and those people. And does her feelings ever tell her different? Sure, but feelings will lie to you. We get, I don't know, feelings, emotions, those things get involved. God has the whole picture. God has the whole picture. Somebody throws a cake of hate in your face one day. God knows more than you. Imagine that. And he knows all the ingredients that went into that cake before it ever ended up on your face. Here it is again. I said it earlier. Truth is the reality that God lives in. He invites us into it via the spirit of truth. Jesus told Pilate, I'm here to bear witness of the truth. Was Jesus' life evidence of God's reality? Absolutely. What did Pilate say after Jesus said, I'm here to bear witness to the truth? What did Pilate say? Anybody know? What is truth? You think there's any voices in our culture today saying, what is truth? That should sound very familiar. Yes, let's, let's list them. A number one in our culture, how do we determine truth? It's how you feel. How you feel? You feel like a man today? I know you're a woman, but you feel like a man? Well, you can go right into the women's room, or sorry, the men's room, even though you're a woman. That really doesn't happen near as much. How about this one? You're actually a man, but you say you're a woman. And you can go right into the women's restroom today. That's not reality. Well, it's how I feel. That we don't use feelings to determine truth. They're not old enough to drive, but they're old enough to not tell their parents and partner with, you know, counselors or whoever. To go ahead and let's have surgery and as a 12-year-old. You can't, you can't base reality off of how people feel. How about this one? Well, it's, it's all based on how you feel. I feel like a dog today. Well, there's a group for that. I'm, seriously, there's a group for that. You feel like a dog? You can be a dog today. The only option we have as Christ followers, and it is a weapon not to be wielded angrily like Peter who chopped somebody's ear off. And Jesus comes and puts it back on. I mean, I should tell you something. We have this truth that is a weapon that can heal our culture. People that are at least interested in truth. To be wielded with what? The spirit of truth, just like Christ. Amen. That's good preaching, little preacher right there. There's a lot of voices out there that say what you think, feel, and believe, well, that's the real reality. But what if there's a truth that exists beyond what human beings think, feel, and believe? There is. That's how, that's how we're righteous. That's how we're, I don't always feel righteous. I don't always believe I'm forgiven. I don't feel forgiven. But is there truth that exists beyond what I think and feel? Yes. I am not God. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. It's easier to agree with God. <laughs> the other stuff is just way out there. We can go into the enemy's camp and help free the slaves. But we have to be acquainted with reality as God possesses it. And that that's where we derive truth from. Jesus said in John 4, whoever worships God does so in spirit and in truth. And 1 John 5, 6 says the spirit is truth. It is the dimension of the spirit where God's throne is already established. That's the real reality. And that's why Haley is the righteousness of God even when she stumbles. Because her spirit is righteous. The Spirit is truth. So when Jesus told Pilate, I came to bear witness of this reality called truth, he's talking about the dimension of the Spirit. And we, we give evidence that God is our Father, Matthew chapter 5, verse 44 through 48, that when people don't give us love to love them with, we can actually love people anyway. And prove that we're sons of our Father who's in heaven. How do we do that? Because we're deriving love from the Spirit. I never lack I never lack. Well, Steve, man, it looks like you guys lack in the natural realm. Don't you wish you had the money for this or this or that or whatever? I don't lack because I'm not, I'm not feasting on the natural realm to be full and supplied. It comes from the Spirit. And as many as are mature sons of God, Romans 8, 14, are led by the, the Spirit of God. Boy, isn't it exciting? He's growing us up, church. He's growing up. And our alignment with truth. I know you want to help the world. I know you want to help our culture. And we'll do it the right way. But our alignment with truth and our love for reality as God has it. As God sees things. Our oneness with it. That's a major step in our growth. In our maturity. Starting with me. I want to grow more and more. I have an insatiable appetite now to know what, what is God's reality in this situation. When I read scripture, I know, Steve, uh, what, it, what it says, what I want it to say. But before I just hook, line, and sinker, Father, what is your perspective of this? I want to deal in truth. I want to learn in truth so that I can walk in truth and I can put his truth on display. A couple other things and I'll close. Scott, you guys can come. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9. The coming of the Antichrist is according to the working of Satan. And he's coming with all power, power signs and what? Lying. Deception. Great deception. Away from what? Truth. The real reality. Reality as God possesses it. As he sees things. And, and again, you only have one choice as a Christ follower. And that's to align with him. You cannot just say, oh yeah, that's okay. That's okay for you. The only view we have is God's perspective. So we align with that. Not in a mean-spirited way. But in a loving way. Verse 10, and with all unrighteous deception... The Antichrist comes with unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. 
What's one of the evidences that we're saved? We love truth. And if you say you love truth, then you love reality as God sees it. 1 Timothy 4 verse 1, Now the Spirit expressly says in the last days that some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Deceiving spirits. Lying spirits, another one says. Doctrines of outright... This demonic that locks people into bondage. We cannot side with that. And love people. You can't. It's not love when you say, well, you're living in a false reality, but it's okay. You don't love them. Verse 2, speaking lies in hypocrisy. And like I said, don't let them invite you to hypocrisy. They've been calling us hypocrites for years. Saying we believe one thing is reality, but here we'll act another way for you or for somebody else. No. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. A seared conscience expresses itself in total narcissism. A seared conscience. And we see it, son, in our culture. Total narcissism. What do I mean by that? That means that they can hit you over the head. They can loot your stores. They can do all these things. Again, we war not with flesh and blood, but demonically influenced. They can throw a concrete milkshake at your head. Maybe even kill you. And it's all justified. It's all okay. They, they aren't... They don't have the ability to see what they're doing, how it affects other people. That's a narcissist. They cannot see beyond their own idealism and what, what they think. Right? My way or the highway. Is my, if you don't believe like me, then it's okay for me to punch you in the face. It's okay for me to loot all your stores. It's okay. I'm justified in it. What is that? That's a seared conscience. This step towards truth and aligning ourselves. And then let me say again, it's not just aligning ourselves with reality as God sees it, but you realize that the truth is in you. First John, uh, third John chapter one, verse three, the truth is in you. So the reality of God, his existence is in you. And let's put him on display. Let's let people around us know that God is real and that there is a way to think there's a way to live surely you didn't think when Jesus said in John 14 6 I'm the way the truth and life he was just simply saying I'm the way you can get to heaven he's saying I'm the way you're designed to live I'm the truth about you and I'm the life the Zoe life of God that's to be expressed through your mortal body will you stand with me thank you Jesus Let's invite the Holy Spirit, what He'd like to do. Let's just open our hands, open our hearts. Holy Spirit, we come to You, we invite You, Lord. We want to do what You want to do. You're Lord of this house. You're Lord of our hearts. What do You want, to, what do you want us to do? How do we respond to Your Word? How do we apply it? What would You have us do, Lord? I invite You, please listen to the Holy Spirit. I invite You to write down what He says if You need to. 
as he gives you directives and instructions. If you have something corporately you think needs to be shared, just come up and share it with me, please. But let's be that spirit-led church right now. Holy Spirit, what do you want us to do? What?